Hey, it's the BWI Daily Edition. The mailbag is back. We're answering your questions. It's the offseason, so bring your most thought-provoking, interesting content. We're going to be delivering that to you on the Daily Mailbag with Nate Bauer. As always, my buddy on the mailbag. That's coming up next. Okay, I'm just going to start here. Uh, we are not live tonight here on YouTube, so there is a 100% lower chance that we'll be interrupted by anybody today. So, Nate, how are you feeling today? Welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, no no four-year-olds to demand chocolate while recording, or not even recording, just straight up live. I, You know, it's a, it was a strange situation because I, for her sake, I thought, hey, I'll, I'll just like kind of like ease you out of the frame on this one but uh simultaneous to that it looks like i'm pushing my daughter (laughs) (laughs) straight up stiff arming her uh you know hey that was that was that was the lead story coming out of that show i'm actually pulling up some of the comments on that show everyone is on your side nate i just want you to know everyone uh feels for you when it comes to the, uh, uh, the 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 child situation and and the bedtime negotiations, I saw somebody they do Hershey's Kisses or 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 Reese's mini mini Reese's cups. I think was the other thing that was there of the negotiating tool with the four year old. I I see the other parents drop their children off at daycare, and I think to myself, like, how do we compare? How like because their children seem very orderly and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to be too self-critical, but that's not happening here. There's, there's <laughs> a little wilder in this. Yeah, house. W, WK says this is the type of content throughout the off season that we need. So I, it's it's by demand now, <laughs> Nate. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Moving yeah. on. She's a, she's a wonderful little girl. She's she's great. She just uh, post eight o'clock things really downhill fast yeah things, things i was get, not good at bedtime either so yeah. i i can kind of i can kind of commiserate with her there um so let's start with the news of the day before we get to the mailbag it will inform some of the questions but uh curtis jacobs made an announcement the other day so tell us about yep. what he said uh, yeah it was short right he instagram post and i think on twitter he said i'm back uh a la michael jordan uh, Is that? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was right. That's the that's the famous press release was uh, like from the office. It doesn't matter uh, from the offices of Michael Jordan. Like, oh, the, OK. And the statement was I'm back um, anyway. Teensy bit before my time, but I do remember like that era. It, it, it's a thing people talk about um, and I, I don't pay attention to these things. But in any case, uh, Curtis Jacobs. Yes. Coming back. I, I don't know that it's. um. I don't know that it was a huge mystery. I think that this season he did not necessarily produce at the beginning of the seat, right? There was an acclimation period at the beginning of the season that I'm not sure it ensured that he would come back for another year. Certainly uh, he's a guy who has talent. You could see it on the field. Uh, And so there are other players in Penn state uh, in really in the recent history for, for the linebacker position who have made that leap 
whether they had fully developed or not at Penn State. And so yeah. that that was somewhat up in the air for Curtis. But yeah, a little bit of a guessing game for him. And then finally, uh, here it was eight days after the, the Rose Bowl that he decided and announced publicly that he's coming back. So he had his moment. And now I think it's just, it's a big, it's a big time for him of, hey, like you're the guy. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, if you're not the guy, you're one of the the, yeah. the select few. And I know we have a question coming up uh, about leaders for next year, but Curtis is certainly a guy who who has that that foundation of a ton of experience, a ton of time in the program. He's such a yeah. well thought out kid, um, well spoken, and and just does uh, the right thing. So it, it's a it's a it's the beginning foundational moment kind of to set him up for next season and selfless. So this is the other thing that I think goes understated of uh, the story with Abdul Carter is that Curtis has to be willing to move from will to Sam in those situations. Now he still, they still, you know, kind of went series to series as whether or not he was the will or Carter was on the field at the will. But, you know, he moves partially back to uh, the Sam position and is playing in the slot, playing further away from the football. And, you know, through sub packaging, he was able to stay on the football field and play a lot of snaps. But uh, it, it's something that I, I, I want to talk to him uh, about. I've Curtis, I've been meaning to reach out and get you on the show again to see how <laughs> the, the, the season went. I just thousand things keep happening. So I, I haven't had a chance to, you know, I want to know that story because that seems like a selfless thing to do. This is what I think fans don't understand is uh, to the extent of the Sam doesn't exist in the NFL. That's a slot corner. And when you talk about, uh, you know, the NFL and some of the things that are going on there, the number of times I see DBs like 190 pound guys who are forced to play the a gap because of the way that the NFL uses motion and shifts to force guys into positions where they're not winning. You know, they're not in position. Like that is what is the difference between college and the NFL in a lot of situations and to move from that will position back into something that doesn't exist in the NFL means you're not putting the same tape out there and for him to do that was a selfless act. And, and he did that for the betterment of the team. So I think the credit of leadership is also through sacrifice and service to the team. And, and that was a big thing that he did. Um, and, And I do think it paid dividends though, because the, the team and he played well, uh, and better when they were both on the football field together. Yeah, it was it was fairly clear. Like we, I, I literally just wrote about it, but you had these two concurrent parallel storylines, right? One was the ascent of Abdul Carter mm-hmm. becoming a guy who could not just flash his insane talent, but also do it consistently and reliably and just be yeah. a, a piece of that defense that, you could you could feel confident was going to be in the right place at the right time uh parallel to what was happening with Curtis which is mm-hmm. you know adjusting to a new position and making strides through the course of the season but you could see certainly uh Manny Diaz talked about at out in LA about the fact that they really like hammered home the Minnesota game as kind of this turning point turning point, excuse me, yeah. of the season defensively of which 
Curtis Jacobs was a huge part of that. I think he finished with like 11 tackles in that yep. Minnesota game. He, he was a huge piece of that. And it was about, hey, uh, they had just gotten steamrolled at Michigan. It was gut check time. And and they really, I mean, you saw it. They, they talked about this like kind of come to Jesus uh, meeting of, hey, this, this is what you're responsible for. This is what you're yeah. responsible for. Uh, and so once they kind of sorted all of that out, uh, you know, I, th- I think certainly even even Ohio State, even given the the numbers that that ended up uh, Ohio State getting to forty four, uh, they played which, they played a the great game. A, correct, yeah. correct. The offense was a big part of that. Uh, yeah, like they felt as though they had turned a corner and they were able to to carry that through. And I think I think it uh, truly you understand it to a certain extent um, against Minnesota without. They're starting quarterback. You understand right. it again. They're running on third and 13. So there is, you, we do have to put that context in that performance of Minnesota had a few options and Penn state made them pay for it. Yes. And, and so the, the and this is, I don't want to belabor this point, but just it, there was a lot of, well, Penn state defense is, is insane right now. They're playing great against a horrible schedule in November. Mm-hmm. Right. That was that was kind of, you had to include that caveat of the offenses the Penn State faced down the stretch weren't very good. But Utah, they, they were able to to manage for the most part, hold Utah to, to 14 yeah. points really before garbage time. Um, you know, I thought I thought it was uh it was a, a very clear upward trajectory for that group, of which again, Curtis Jacobs was a huge part of that. Yeah. And uh I, I think it you can't it's an obvious thing that it's a huge bonus for Penn state to bring back Curtis Jacobs. Like it is a huge win in a, in a season so far this off season of huge wins, bringing back the core of players that could have gone, but are, but are staying, you know, the guys yep. that, and I put juice Scruggs and, and Brenton strange in a different category of like, we don't understand those positions really. And like, they, it's time for them to go. They were ready. They had good seasons, but the guys who I think are more on the fence of, did I have a good enough season? Can I improve my draft stock? Um, and would it be helpful? And, and all those guys came back or, or yep. so far, most of those players at key positions have come back. Anything else on Curtis before we get to the mailbag? No, that's it. I, I, I to what you just said, it's like, Somebody, had, a buddy of mine, had just asked me the other night about, oh, it's it's incredible the job that James Franklin is doing, and the staff of keeping keeping the team together, right? Of, yeah. of keeping as many of those pieces together as you possibly can, and I think it's interesting because I I, I agree with the sentiment, but like Olu is the only one who is this obvious slam dunk of a first round talent right. who who decided to come back. Everybody else has this opportunity that I think really does fit into what Penn state is counting on as a program. Like it's trying to build this identity of, Hey, this is a divergent point. Micah Shrewsbury just talked about it the other day. (laughs) He was like, uh, in college, in college athletics, as a freshman, you want to play, you want to get on the field, right? As a sophomore, you want to start. As a junior, you want to be all conference. And as a senior, you want to win. That's what he said. Uh, and I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I like think, that. I, right. And so I think that you look across the, the spectrum of players that are deciding to return. And that winning factor, that winning P 
piece is a huge part of it, but also the Jahan Dotson, hey, you, you could be a fourth round guy tomorrow. You could you could be a late round pick. Yep. No doubt about it. But you know what you're doing now. You have this opportunity to develop in the system, to feel more comfortable, to, to really excel and demonstrate and make that leap in terms of what your, your draft prospects are. And I think it just appears to me that there are a bunch of guys in the program that believe that, yeah. right? that, ha- that have confidence. They, they have a faith and a, a belief that a guy like John Scott is going to help Adisa Isaac get to where he wants to go, uh, yeah. right? Uh, Manny Diaz is going to help Curtis Jacobs get to where he wants to go. And so when you have all of those combining into uh, this pot of like experienced players, I, I just think it bodes very well for the the type of character of team that Penn State can have next season. Well, let's get into some of the questions about the spring and next year and all that in the BWI mailbag. There's nothing I love than a good piece of imaging. You know you got to show when you got some imaging. Um, So here we are in the mailbag. Welcome, Nate. Does it feel different? I feel like I should have put a mailman hat on in that 15 seconds. It does does not feel – it's like a a flood of warm memories just (laughs) coming over me. We haven't done this in a long time. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Just the season is so busy, and there's so much news that we don't get to this all the time. Um, we do try to satisfy that with the Monday live show, where we we go live and we answer your questions live on YouTube. But some of these, I, I know that I'm better when I have time to sit down and think about stuff and uh, and kind of collate my thoughts. So that's what we got here. We are taking your questions via Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review and give us uh, your question in the review. That will get you front and center on the show. And that's where we're starting today, and we're, we're going right to it. So A. Hinton says through the mailbag, lots of pleasantries at the start, and thank you for all of those. We have the best reporters, deepest in the industry. They have major PSU sports locked down. Thank you so much. Here's the question. Uh, Bryce Effner made his decision to step away from football. Little surprise that he's not at least going to see if he can make an NFL training camp. Is this an injury situation? Just wanted to move on with life, or is it a Shane Simmons situation where Effner enters the portal in the spring? Um, is it more than what it seems? Do you think, Nate, or is it that a guy who has had injuries well documented throughout his career? We didn't think he was going to play this year. Let's start with there. That <laughs> our reporting and our observations of spring and everything was that. Don't expect a whole lot from Efner this year. They're down a tackle to start. And then suddenly he's the guy down the stretch. So yep. with his history, what he battled back from, what do you see in the tea leaves here? Yeah, I don't I I don't want to come across as this being in any way definitive statement or speaking on behalf of Bryce Efner. Uh however, it, it, it seems to he see he is a thoughtful guy. He is a like he, he's one of the more fascinating interviews on the team. He always has something interesting to say. And a lot of times it's not about football necessarily. Right. It, it's uh, he, he just I, I think he has interests outside of the game. 
I think that there are other things for him in his life. And so I, I, I just, I, in no way would I call this a Shane Simmons situation where he wants to keep playing, doesn't have a spot at Penn state and we'll just kind of figure it out in the future of another place to land. Penn state would love to have Bryce Efner back, right? Like uh, they, they would love to have him back. Yep. Um, but again, I, I feel like I've said this 20 times over the last five days, but got the, the ability to understand it. We have a hard time, I think from the outside, recognizing the gap between seniors guys who have been around and have done it and freshmen. Like it is a lifetime between 22 years old and 18 years old. Okay. Bryce Efner is probably going to be 23 next season. Like those guys that, that gap, in age and just the willingness to want to do it. College football is very structured. There are things involved in being in a program that are just unlike professional sports, like at all, or, or just your life moving on with your life. Uh, You know, it's like a, it's like that feeling and everybody knows this to a certain extent, whether it's high school or college, whatever the difference between your job ending at five o'clock or whatever, and then not having homework for the rest of the day. <laughs> like it's a, that, that period of your life has ended. Yeah. You don't, you don't do homework. You don't have assignments. You don't have projects, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. When you finally put that to bed in your life, it, it like changes things. It changes how uh, you, you perceive your evenings or your free time, what, whatever it is. It's just yeah. not having those additional responsibilities, that, I think, becomes extraordinarily appealing to guys who have been in the game and and might not have uh, a, a future, right? Like, my, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that he's, I don't know that uh, for sure, maybe, maybe he said this, maybe I just missed it, but I'm not convinced that he won't participate in pro day or won't, take advantage of whatever the, you know, whatever opportunities there are for him to, to, to try his hand at the next level. But this, this changes too. We see this in the NFL guys are contemplating retirement at the end of the season, because as you just described, it's a grind and, and physically it wears you down. I I just think about this, like in our lives, Nate, Um, you know, we do this show five days a week. I don't have my a game every single day. I just can't, I can't play at that level, but that's what you need to have seven days a week to win at football and the mental toll and the strain it puts on, on players in order to be successful at the highest level. That's, that's the the pressure of you can't really have a bad day. And if you do, you have to recover from it very quickly by the end. It just, it, you want, you want to step away. And then a couple months later, you're recovered, you're, you feel fresh, and maybe you want to give it another shot. Um, you know, in, in this instance, it means maybe a shot at the NFL. Maybe it means he changes his mind and enters the transfer portal. But in, in terms of the question here of what's the situation, I do believe that he's stepping away from football, right? I do believe that yeah. that's not a lie. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I, and I think it ties directly into some of the things that we talked about with Nick Tarburton and what, what he spoke about after the season or after the regular season, I had asked him what, you know, what his plans were, what he was going to do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's just like, you have to, you have to commit to this. You can't, yeah. 
you can't be halfway in on college football. It's just, it's not an option, especially when you're a guy who's been around the program and is being counted upon to, to demonstrate leadership and to, to set an example for the younger guys. Like you can't, you can't have it both ways. And I think that these guys who've been around for a long time kind of understand that. And it, it helps guide their decision forward as to, to what's the best move for them. So let's get to our next question. And seeing as we started the, the show with Curtis Jacobs, we're going to take the linebacker route to start. So Lefenic Fox says your breakdown of the Rose Bowl game against the run reminds me a little of the Michigan game. It, it should. They, they took elements of that. What is the solution against Michigan and Utah running the ball with flow to the outside? Is it scheme development, new different players, something else? Thanks as always. Um, it, I'm going to say something that's a gross generalization here that I don't necessarily know that I believe in. And I think Manny Diaz would very much disagree with on its face. But this might be an inherent flaw in the system. And this is what I mean. This defense is designed to attack, is to not be passive, is to... Uh, dictate the terms as much as the defense can, knowing it is a reactionary side of the football. You need to be able to read and react, but read and react very quickly. So when you're being presented with one thing and then given another, like in the game against Utah, where there's a lot of end arounds, jet sweeps, quarterback run to the outside, you're keying on the primary blocking concept, inside zone, outside zone, whatever it is, you know, counter, whatever they're doing there. And this is an aggressive system where you want to be in your gap and you want to fill your gap. At one point, Abdul Carter is filling his gap. Looks like he's run blitzing. That's a decision. That's not uh, a mistake. But Utah had run a, a zone option pitch to the outside. So he's crashing down. The defensive line is slanting one way, and that gives them the outside. Um, that's just one example. Like there's a hundred plays and you can go play by play and give different examples of successes and failures. But I guess that is, to me, uh, a part of this puzzle. But it, it comes down to awareness. Everyone's got a gap, and defenses should have this conversation about... You mentioned the Come to Jesus meeting, right? And uh, on the message board, there was some talk about a lack of trust. And like, oh, okay, lack of trust on the defensive side of the ball. But to be clear, you know, from what I would assume that conversation was about, it's not like, I'm going to steal your girl. Like, that's not the lack of trust we mean. It's like, be in your gap and don't freelance. So, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, going back to that conversation about the Michigan game, you're pulling players to the outside. Those gaps don't disappear. You're responsible to be on the specific side of an offensive lineman. Even if you're not going to make the play, you have to redirect the football back to your teammates and trust them to make the play. So you need to force the ball back inside if, if teams are going to run to the outside. That requires you to have the awareness, and this is what I think happened in the game against Utah a little bit, a little slow on the trigger. A couple guys didn't really get to their spot on the outside. There's a little bit of a lack of recognition, a little bit of um, just, you know, slow on the draw, which they had been very good about during the regular season. Um, and that's where you were facing a team that executes at a high level, and you've got to match that. But against Michigan... They were not trusting that somebody else was going to make the tackle. So, and, uh, you know, not to call it individual players, but the second level of the defense 
was trying to knife under their block and make a Micah Parsons play is just what I'm going to call it. Like that superstar thing where you say that was amazing. Don't ever do it again. You didn't follow the rules of the defense. <laughs> they, they were not at the level to do those things, right? Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were, were better in that situation. They were not to that level where they could make outside of structure plays. Um, peaking backside and gaps on the defensive line. You need your, you've talked to Manny Diaz about it. You need to be in your gap. You're responsible for your gap. You're not half shading a guy. You're not going in the middle and two gapping. Be in your gap. There were times where you saw guys peaking backside or just losing against Utah. And, and that's where you get some of those plays that continued drives. So to me, it's two things. It is the nature of the defense is going to be susceptible to it, but then the awareness of your weaknesses, right? And the, the ability to just play with the level of anticipation that I'm not going to trigger downhill on this because I know what's coming and this team's going to try that. So to me, that's, that's kind of a, a, a large and, and kind of hopefully specific view of each of those broader conversations. Which Love is why it. Curtis Jacobs coming back also is super helpful because he's played both the same and the will now, and he has that accumulated knowledge, and he's gone through those trials and errors, and he's gone through those um, failures and successes. So uh, you you bring back that institutional understanding. Is there anything in this you want to comment on? Because I know this was not, pretty specific to me. Yeah, not not really. I, I the one thing that stood out to me about what what Curtis said at the Rose Bowl was how the defense. Really, the the system that you just described, it it might not seem like it because you're you're just responsible for something, mm -hmm. but that being responsible for something allows you to play very aggressively. It, yes, in in his mind, it's hey this this frees me up to make plays based on knowing exactly where I need to be and when I need to be there and what I need to do when I'm there. Uh, yep. as opposed to, like you said, that, that freelancing style where it's, where it is less, um, you know, less of a construct, I guess right. would, would be the way to put it. So in certain defenses to explain, like you've got a guy that is, uh, responsible for two gaps. He takes one based on the running back. You take the other, you know, I, I, oversimplification of this, but like that's traditional sort of offense is what the, what the running back and linebacker are doing is they're playing a game of chicken. I'm going in this hole. No, 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 no just kidding. I'm going in the a gap over here and I fake the linebacker out and I get through the hole. Right. So that's kind of reading the linebacker or reading the running back. That's what's going on. So if you just eliminate that and say, I'm in the A-gap. I don't yep. care what you're doing. I'm in the A-gap. And that's what yep. Manny Diaz was explaining to all the way back to the preseason when you had that awesome interview with him that really got to the nuts and bolts of what he's trying to accomplish. That's what he means. Like, we're not guarding two doors. I'm guarding right. this door. You're guarding that door. And we're going to make sure that all the doors are guarded. But if you don't, these are the results. Next oh. question. <laughs> Which position groups are the biggest question? Oh, no, that's not the one I want. I'm sorry. We want to go to this one. I didn't, it didn't move around. Nope, that's not the one either. Where is my other linebacker question? Okay, oh, I, will up, no. I will upload that in a second because somehow that did not make it through the filters. Um, is it here? No, but let's, let's, start with, uh, let's start with this one because uh, you can talk about this one and you can go and then I'll go get that one. Which position okay. groups are biggest question marks? Going into the spring, this is a very good uh, Nate Bauer question. What 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 jumps to your mind as things that need to be solved heading into the spring? 
receivers. Yep. Uh, quarterback. And, and I feel like I'm the bad guy here because I don't I don't want to be the bad guy. But I think it's, I think quarterback is a big deal. I, I think they have all of the talent in the world, and they have done all of the right things. Right. Both Drew Lar and Bo Perbula. Uh like it should be a very compelling spring. Uh, Mike, Mike Yersich said it, it, it at uh, Rose Bowl Media Day. Like this offseason is all about development at that position. They can just, I'm not going to call it relax. It's its the opposite of relax, but it's also not, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be stressful necessarily. Freeing in the same way of having only one responsibility, right? Yeah. Like, this is, this is what we're doing. You're, right. you're going to decide who's the quarterback and the two of you are going to compete. Correct. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about who's winning the job. Don't worry about from day to day, the competition between each other. Worry about you personally developing and the room as a whole developing and, and getting better. So I, I just, I think that's, I think that's huge. I, I, everybody knows it. Like it's, yeah. it's just for as many question marks as people had about Sean Clifford going into this season, I think it was actually the opposite of that. There really weren't questions about Sean Clifford. You knew exactly <laughs> what you were that, going to get yep. positively and negatively. Yep. It's, it is incumbent on these guys to do as well as they possibly can to put Penn state as a program in the same position going into next season is, is you want to, you want to know before whoever it is, Jular, Bo Perbula, whoever takes that first snap against West Virginia, you want to know that they're ready for it. Yeah. Right. Like you don't, you don't want to be guessing. You don't want to uh, have doubt in your mind that they know what they're going to be seeing, that they are able to play within that construct. Um, so yeah, but, but the secondary part of that is, is to, who are they throwing it to? Like yeah. who, who's going to catch that ball? Um, and right now it's, it is a big, big, big question of does Penn state have the receivers already on the roster and in the room who are able to develop and become consistent. Mm -hmm. And if not, or even if so, who are they going to add that can propel that, who can push that yeah. along and, and be that steady presence as in the, the wide receiver room. Yeah. And that, Transfer portal can pop at any moment, right? So make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. You hit notifications so that whenever we have a video that that goes up, you you get it, and you don't have to watch all of them right away. But if there's breaking news, you want to know that one pretty soon. So if there's a receiver that commits, if there's something else that happens, make sure you subscribe. And uh, you know, as we said at the start of the show, like the video, but uh, give us the review on Apple Podcasts, and we're going to be doing a weekly mailbag. So. Drop your five-star question on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be getting to those in the show. Um, I, you know, you you covered, I think, the, the most important ones for the team. Like, let's just go hierarchy of needs here. And thank you for not for, for saying what you did, because I don't have to be the bad guy then. I don't have to be the, the wet blanket to be like, here you go. Your five-star quarterback might not be great right away. Uh, so thankfully, I don't have to say that. Um, defensive tackle. To me, to me, uh, that's a screaming need. That is something where this team, if we're talking about what we're talking about, which is having this team have answers at every position, 
to potentially take a step next year, right? To kind of break through. And James Franklin and and I, I'm I'm doing the same thing that people do with the good to great to elite comment. Uh, but going back to that Michigan game and lamenting the lack of size, and I think that it doesn't mean as much as as I'm talking about it. But it is a thing that's nice to have, right? It is a thing that's nice to have. So finding a one technique that plays well with the athleticism threshold that you want out of the position, but is still a run defender, still has that in his profile. That isn't just the quick penetrating potential sack artist guy. Finding somebody to play that role is very important uh, to the overall ease of a defense to make things easier for guys for linebackers, for other defensive tackles. Um, And if not, they'll they'll have to, they'll have to cut and paste. They'll have to modify. They'll have to go best case scenario outside of that. But if you could find a guy in the portal who fits that veteran positional skill level, you know, that goes a long way. And this is another area that I think is not as big of a need. And you wouldn't say like portal maybe, but raising the level of play at linebacker consistently is critical is, yep. is very important. And I know that we've had a lot of discussions about that particular position and fine. You know, I think we described middle linebacker this year as fine. Like it's, yep. it's acceptable, but if we're again, we're talking about having a complete team with a lot of answers and a lot of, you know, good play at every position, getting to a certain standard at every position, you know, that's, that's fine. Fine is fine until it's not fine. And we know the game's where it's not fine. Yep. And that leads us into the question uh, that got saved over, but Psychem had a great question, and I wanted to get to this one. If you're a defense coordinator, who are your top three guys at linebacker, including the Sam with Sutherland this year, what would your depth be? Plus, where would you put this year's three uh, top recruits in that lineup? Um, so, again, I'll let you go first, seeing as I just spent several minutes talking. I'm not sure I understand. Can you give me the question one more give time? You, your ideal lineup at linebacker. So for Mike, next year, for next year, for next year, given the guys they have. And then where would you place the, the freshman that just came in? Uh, boy, I don't know. You uh, look like certainly you want Abdul Carter on the field. And I think that you want Curtis Jacobs on the field is two thirds of not, the way there. It's perfect. I'm not here. I am not here to resolve Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. I, I just, mm-hmm. They'll figure that out. I, I don't have an opinion on the two of those guys because I do think that they both have competing storylines that aren't the same, right? Yeah. One is about one guy is like trying so hard and they're both trying hard, obviously, but right. Like Tyler Elsden wants to be perfect and you can, you can see how hard he works and yep. uh, he, he understands the defense. He understands what his role is in terms of getting everybody into the right place at the right time. Yep. But there, there would appear to me, and I think that this is probably a fair critique to be like some ceiling issues of it. it like what is his maximum output in terms of being in the right place at the right time and making the play. I, I mean, it just, it, right. it, how many times was he in position to make a play that somebody made a play on him? this season. And so my question is not necessarily, Oh, that means he's condemned to never make that play. It is. Can he take that final step? 
Right? Yeah. If you're if you're there, right? That that's more than half the battle. Finishing yes. the play is yes. a huge part of that. And so can can he take that stride? And then the other part is Kobe King is mm-hmm. a guy who uh for every reason in the world just needed some time. <laughs> he right. just he needs some time. It's it's yeah. complex, it's complicated. There's a lot to to handle and a lot to to digest. And so I I I think those two guys uh can figure that out. But yes, those those are not I mean, I guess those are the three who I would see as being the starters. And and yeah. then after that, uh, a guy who I think is not being talked about, and I'm going straight to this, mm-hmm. be, just because he's out of sight, out of mind, is uh, Tyrese Mills. Mills, like yep. uh, he's gonna be, a, he's gonna be there. <laughs> yep. He's gonna, he's gonna be a part of the equation there. Yep. Uh, in that John Sutherland hybrid. Right. Uh, yeah. Whatever you want to call it there. It's safety body type playing with linebacker physicality. You know that I, I always think of it as the the 11th defender, the missing piece that makes you whole. Yep. Now, my thought is always I always take it one step further and like, OK, what if we never had to go to a sub package? Right. What if we always had the correct people on the field at all times? The problem is like you're not really looking to do that in college. You want to get guys on the field. You want to have roles. You want to have dependable people. Everyone everyone eats, right? So that's not really the goal here. But in terms of positional flexibility and dependability on down-to-down, especially on even downs where you don't know if it's run or pass, that's the kind of guy you're looking for. So to me, uh, you, you laid it out perfectly. And realistically, I see the same thing. But we're going we're going to talk about ideal scenarios right now, right? Um, and ideally, Manny Diaz's Mike linebacker has more speed. Uh, just everyone on this on the field runs in Manny Diaz's defense, and even Kobe King, a, a good athlete, does not have that level of speed. So, and part of that, I think, for him is a little bit recognition, and it's a little bit of that you know uh, awareness factor that you can get a head start. If you're if you're a more mature player playing Mike linebacker, um, so I would start the bidding here. The conversation we had about um, ty- uh, about the the linebacking group and and some of the sacrifices that Curtis Jacobs made. So Abdul Carter moves to Mike. You use him as a spy more. He gets more I think more active in that role. One of the reasons that there was some quarterback run leakage, not entirely, but like. If your quarterback is running on second down and you're not in the prowler package where he's the spy and he's playing will, he's covering linebackers and tight ends, he's running down the field. And that leaves the opportunity for guys to get out of the pocket. He does a great job at that in the prowler package on third down for the last month of the season, blitzing over line over running backs in the middle of the field. I think that is a really good developmental piece. And he doesn't have to play Mike the entire time, right? So you can go to your big base or whatever you want to do and you want to move those guys around because they've played those positions and they're they're kind of position positionally neutral you can mix and match in sub packages and game plans and things like that but having that speed of will and mike both being nfl guys is huge and then you bring in the tyrese mills the dom deluca and maybe one of those freshmen at that sam position where you know I don't want to say it's it's a secondary issue for the defense, but it is not one of the two primary linebacking positions because it comes off the field on third down. You might substitute against certain looks and teams. So that position has a little bit less 
emphasis in the in the team building aspect. And um, I think that that's where I would start. And then with the the young linebackers, I think James Franklin said it clearly in terms of the guys he'd put where. Long term, though, and he mentioned uh, Tammy Robinson, Mike, Kavion Keys at the Will, and then at the Sam, you have Tony Rojas, who's so fast. He's so fast. Long term, though, like both Keys and uh, uh, Rojas were defensive ends in high school. And we see a little bit more out of keys in terms of playing linebacker, a little more run defense, a little more power through contact. But Rojas has a big frame. I could see him being that prototype will eventually and, you know, kind of shuffling that around. But that that's where I think they'll start. Uh, next question we got here, Nate, unless you wanted to go into the recruiting section of things. No, never. <laughs> here you go. Leadership important on this team, guys like Sean, PJ, Tig came uh, to mind, guys that were the voices in the locker room, bounced back after losses and had a 11 and 11 and two season. You know, they they didn't let things affect them throughout the year. I'm yep. kind of paraphrasing the point here. Who do you think the guys are most likely to take on those roles this coming season? Yeah, this is <laughs> right up my alley because yeah. it's it's impossible to prove one way or the other until <laughs> they name captains. Uh, hmm. I like Keaton Ellis as a leader type voice. I like uh, Caden Wallace as a guy who's been around for a long time and could have a leadership type voice. Um, hmm. I'm just, I'm just scrolling scrolling through the list of of players who have contributed this year Kurt, i mean curtis obviously i, I yeah. think curtis is a big part of that uh chop robinson is a guy you know in his second year in the program i think mm -hmm. uh, given the the things that he's done adisa isaac adisa isaac's uh interesting to me just because i don't know that he was um i don't know that like being vocal or comfortable was necessarily yeah. like the the first thing on the agenda for him. But I, I think that that has uh, taken strides through the course of the season legitimately, mm -hmm. like from, from last year to now uh, I, I think that he's uh, coming out of his shell is the wrong way to put it, but just in terms of being that front facing voice and a guy who interacts more with the media and who, who is made available with the media more, I, I think certainly he fits that bill. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, no, I mean, those those are uh, Landon Tangwall, probably, right? Yeah. A guy who who is, again, like vocal and has some of those leadership qualities. And then uh, Hunter Norzad certainly jumps yeah. out to me as well as a guy. How much does it affect? Ball. How much does it affect your team if the quarterback isn't one of those guys? And that's not to say that they can't be because, you know, that could be one of the un that's one of the unknowns when we talk about the true freshman last year of why they weren't going to be the guy. Right. We detailed that this time last year. And also now they, can they surprise us with that? And what is the impact of not having the quarterback be one of your loudest and most central leaders? Yeah, I think, I think they can. I Like, I don't know Drew Allard well, right. Right. Like uh, I had right. an opportunity to talk to Bo Propula. He, he's a very engaging guy, but, that that hasn't ever been uh, 
without asking, it's never been volunteered to me that those guys are like, oh man, everyone listens to them. They already have command because it was Sean Clifford's team and right. room, right? Like, they, right. And so they, they weren't going to compete with that, nor were, I think, they trying to compete with that. The thing that I would say is guys like Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, James Franklin has said in press conferences, they don't talk. Like they're not, they just, yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're there to crush you, to run you over. <laughs> right. And play football. Here, That's here for it. business. And that business is business. your pain. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, you know, so, so it, it, it's one of those things where like, I'm, I'm definitely not expecting that out of them. I'm not mm-hmm. like, even though they're going to be two of the better players on the team next year, I wouldn't anticipate those guys being, captains as sophomores right it's right. just because it's not how it's not how they operate um i think that they set examples in terms of how to work for sure but are they the guys who are going to stand up in front of the team and get everybody to fall in line i, I don't know i mean that's not that hasn't been my impression so yeah, yeah I, th- I i don't think it, i don't think it has to be i don't think it has to be the quarterback i i I've been doing this a long time at this point and some of the better leaders that penn state has had uh, in its program have been like centers on the offensive line. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes the receivers, sometimes it, tight ends, you name it. Uh, there, there's, it can come in a variety of different shapes and sizes, but I, I do think the general notion of the most effective leadership coming from the most experience generally holds true. Yeah. Yeah. And if uh, most of those guys, because I believe Olu Fashanu is also uh, one of the guys that's quiet, right? In terms of, yeah. So you got a lot of quiet guys that we haven't spoken to as much because there have been so many leaders, so many guys that have been the front facing, uh, you know, face of the team. Front facing face of the team is a great way to put it. Uh, But in that vein, here we go. Uh, Slow Joe writes a. Very thoughtful, by the way. Very thoughtful novel here. Um, and it's not really that long, but for the purposes of looking at it on the YouTube channel, it is it is quite long. Uh, Drew Aller era has officially started. And what he wants to know, nutshelling this, is what's the difference in the offense from this past season with Sean Clifford to this year? And, and gives a lot of um, examples. He also thinks that there's going to be growing pains in 2023. So is his, his hypothesis, supposition here hypothesis if you also expect changes like i do will lean towards simplifying the offense for the younger quarterback to gain uh, confidence early or the opposite with having more complex bombs for the receivers with a guy who has the arm strength to attempt these difficult passes let's start there um yeah you talked to mike Yersich. i don't i know that some of that stuff you're you're still working on for bluewhiteillustrated.com which to get some of yeah. this is going to cost you 30 dollars for i don't know eight months you know, still a great deal. Sign up bluewhiteillustrated.com uh, and you'll get uh, until next football season, until West Virginia, till that kickoff for $30. That's the deal right now. Uh, so what are you interested in discussing when you've talked to to the, the guy that's the architect of that? His, his, uh, and I'm, I'm bogarting my own story for whenever uh, this comes, but his excitement over, the notion of tailoring the offense to those different guys' strengths, right? Yeah. Like uh, 
Drew Alar and, and Bo Perbula don't do the same things. They're not the same quarterback. They're not the same style of player. Yep. And so uh, he had, he was very upfront about uh, this is, this is an enjoyable experience of, of being able to tinker and toy with and implement an offense in a system around like, and he said it, he's like, you're always going to have your base plays. You're always going to have your base packages with yep. the things that you run, but there's so much that can be done off of that based on what those guys strengths are that it's, it's appealing. It's, yep. it's, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, a that's what he gets with... up in the morning for. Yeah, right? like he loves he loves football. He's all about it. That's that's yeah. the guy's mo is is to be into that. And so yeah. I think that that is a very that's a it's a it's a precipice of which he's excited to get started. Yeah, and and truthfully, slow Joe, we don't. This is what I've been saying of like let's pump the brakes on on the talk about next season because we need to know what Drew Aller is good and not good at. And that is only, we only get the window into that through football games. And we'll get a very small, very um, uh, curated window during the Mm -hmm. blue-white game. We're not going to get a whole lot of insight into what he does and doesn't do well from either quarterback because that's the whole point. (laughs) Um, That's that's the game, right? So does Drew Aller, is he good at design deep shots where you're doing things with route combinations specifically to get a guy open deep and he doesn't have to think about it. If it's there, he can throw it. And if not, like he can check it down or whatever, you know, whatever the next thing in the play is, but it's, it's, you know, designed where he's not doing a full field read. He's, he's looking high, uh, high to low, whatever. Um, does he do, does he do full field reads? Well, does he do spread? Well, five wide. Can he, cause that in high school, that's what he did. It was five wide, pick the right receiver, uh, and throw in the face of the blitz a lot of times is what you know. And that, again, I'm going off of what I know, and that's from high school where he's seeing static cover three, which doesn't yeah. change, and he can read and 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 dissect. So, who knows? Well, well, like Yersich knows. Um, what I would point to is what is the offense good at too, and I think this is part of what you were saying is. Nick, Sigle- Nick Singleton isn't going anywhere that we know of. The, the offensive line isn't going anywhere for what we know of. They took a step this year as a good run blocking unit that they, they need to improve upon. They took a step to be to become the identity of the offense, to not just be capable and competent, but to excel. They need to do more. Like They do need to take a step there, um, and that is what could set up a lot of the identity of the offense, where now, this past season we knew that they were going to run the football, right? But you didn't have to hyper-focus on the blocking scheme, right? So you need to be in your position, force the the, the play-action rollout. You can take Clifford and, and put a guy in his face, right? What if next year, if you aren't dedicating the resources to the running game with intense focus, Nick Singleton is going to rip off 17-yard carries consistently because the blocking is good and he's going to make guys miss. That opens up a whole new world of play action, play action design, um, and, and it, that means tight ends, right? So we're right back into the now the tight ends have a prominent role, which they're probably going to have anyway. Theo Johnson, he's one of the guys I'm predicting to have a breakout year next year. So those are the factors outside of the quarterback that we do know about that could inform some of the things that the quarterback will be asked to do because he's asked to operate the offense. 
let's get through. I believe we've got, here we go. This will be our last question. Who are the top three 2023 guys in the, in the class of players to have the biggest on-field impact and compare them to the 2022 guys and their impact this year, which was obviously remarkable. Um, Nate, I know this is not up your alley, so I'm going to ask you this. Who are the three most impactful players on the team that you saw that are going to take that step in 2023? Uh, like your top three guys that are going to have the most impact next year. Current players of any class? Uh, yeah, guys that, you know, who are the guys that are going to have the, the best seasons? Like a little bit of a prediction here, but guys that you think that were good this year that are going to have the most prominent roles that will dictate the success of the team next year? Who are the guys mm. that come to the top of your mind? Yeah. Nick Singleton, Catron yep. Allen, and Abdul Carter. Okay. <laughs> All three of them are freshmen. So we're already starting with a baseline of this class is not that. Yeah, well, this class is not that. Here's my only thought that is, let's call this my little compass, okay. is, is I do believe that there is a just scratching the surface element of all three of those guys and their potential. I I really do believe that, that for as well as they played this year, it's easy to kind of gloss over when they didn't play well, based Mm -hmm. on how awesome their awesome plays were that I think if they can eliminate some of the bad plays and some of the things that they didn't do well, which I think they will do, they will, gradually eliminate those uh it just it just kind of naturally there is more room to grow for younger players right you just by the the time guys are juniors you you pretty much know like you pretty much have an idea now some guys break out for their senior year but for the most part they've established a an mo and so I, I, I do think that those guys are, are very much just at the beginning of what their actual potential is. So I agree. And I want to throw one name in there. And I know though he got a lot of love this year. Olufashinu can get much better as a run blocker. So he, he even has like a lot of room to grow as a first year starter last year. And he was a national player by the time he was didn't play again. So again, the, the excitement for 2023 is warranted uh, terms and conditions apply. So I'll get to 23. This class is not going to have the same impact because of everything Nate just outlined. And then, you know, the physical readiness and all of that stuff. And the, 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 the talent, talent, the, the five-star talent in this class are offensive linemen. Penn State is now down to three offensive tackles. So does Javen Williams or Alex Birchmeyer get pressed into duty? Because last year, this year we said, well, they can't have their tackles get hurt. And they were down to their fourth tackle. You know, the freshman had to play. So um, those guys might have to have an impact. And, uh, you know, I think if uh, <laughs> if we're starting with Drew Shelton as a template of they could get through a game, they can get through a season at the end of the season with Drew Shelton playing um, good, you know, good for a freshman who hadn't really pass blocked a whole lot in his career. Um, then I think these guys can also do that. But players that I think are going to have an immediate that are going to see the field or have the, the skills and, and ability to see the field. Andrew Rappelier, he can come in and compete for that H back position that Brendan strange just vacated. I, I do think Tyler Warren is going to get the first crack at it. I think he looked a little more natural of that, that than the Y King Mac. Um, 
I love King Mac. I love watching King Mac play football. Dakari Nelson, I think there's a, a learning curve there. When we talked on, on the show here, and he came in the BWI Daily Edition before signing day, he said, I don't really watch a whole lot of film. I trust my coaches. They told me to do these things, so it, I sometimes go back. But he acknowledged it's something he's going to learn how to He's asked to learn how to do. So physically, and I do think even play-wise, he's a guy that can have impact early if that learning curve is, is short, like if he picks it up quickly. So those are, are a couple guys. I'm going to just run through the list quickly. And um, uh, Cameron Wallace could could carve out a role for himself in the offense as a running back with multidimensional skills. Uh, we won't include the transfers because those guys are obvious. The last player I'm going to point out here, uh, who was it? Elliot Washington. I'm intrigued by Elliot Washington. He at one point was a top, I think, 15 corner in the nation or top 10 in the nation, he slid down a little bit in terms of development and other guys kind of passed him according to what Charles power said, but six foot. Let me pull up his, his size specifically, because he's a guy that is pretty impressive on film six foot one ninety five already with, and Terry called it elite speed. So size speed. Um, and I think he plays a, a good game he plays a good game. He plays a very specific game. But Penn State is looking for physical, I think, the, the reason Storm Duck is coming in, they're looking for some physical boundary corners, right? They want to have a, a mix of size and speed and all of those things and length. Where he fits in, can he contribute early? That's a guy I'm looking for as he fits a need, and I love him as an athlete. Holy cow, is he fun to watch. So they, there's not the obvious impact guys, but I do think there's a couple sneaky guys that could play and could contribute if things break the right way but they're at positions of either offensive line hard to do or in the secondary Penn state stack there. So those are the ones I would, I would point out. Yeah. And, and they're at the positions that make the most sense, right? It, yeah. You, it, Penn state has had a run now of corners who have dipped their toes in as true freshmen, Cam Miller being the latest, right? You've, you've had these examples, um, of, of positional development and they get their feet wet and go from there. So no, I like your picks. So let's go from there. And by go, I mean, leave, unless you got anything else you got. <laughs> That's it. Let's That's a, that a, move on. A perfect from here. transition. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> I'd say basketball. Yeah. We got a, hoops, we got a hoops yeah. podcast coming up here uh, at the end of the week. So make sure you subscribe to that. There's going to be some change, by the way, there's going to be some changes to the programming here on the daily edition in the off season. Uh, coming up next week, the recruiting show is flipping to Monday because Junior Day is uh, that we're starting into that for January. Really important time of news information, and the guys want to get it to you as soon as possible. So we're flipping days. Recruiting shows on Monday. Uh, live show, Tuesday, TBD uh, sort of situation. And Nate and I, uh, we're going to be folding the Hoops podcast into the daily lineup, but because of the fickle nature of basketball scheduling, that one is going to be a floating show throughout the week. So we will be letting you know the schedule as we go with that and where that fits into the weekly daily edition. But we're going to be doing the podcast or the, the mailbag show every week. So five-star review gets you your question front and center here on the BWI mailbag show. Leave your question with a five-star review on Apple podcasts and we will get it uh, here and we'll answer your question. We had a lot of great stuff today. Nate, you were stellar. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, T Frank. It's always enjoyable. 
Uh, tomorrow is Nate and Fitz on the BWI Daily. That for sure 